I'd like you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. Something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. The superstition is that if you want to have a great marriage relationship, the bride should wear those things on her wedding day. Well, John writes this letter about relationships, about fellowship. He's telling us how to have fellowship with God. He's telling us how to have fellowship with each other. He's telling us how to have great relationships. And though he doesn't say anything about something borrowed or something blue, he does say something about something old and something new. In fact, he says if you don't have this something old and something new, if you're not wearing it in your life, you don't even have a relationship with God. So this is not optional, it's essential. So this morning, I want us to see what John says about something old and something new. Look at verse 7. Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Now these are the kind of verses that you read and then you reread and then you kind of scratch your head when you're done. Because John says, verse 7, I'm not writing a new commandment. Then he says in verse 8, on the other hand, I am writing a new commandment. So John says it's not new, but it is new. And it's old, but it's not old. So the only thing that's really obvious as we first read this is that the something old and something new is a commandment. So I want to simply answer three questions this morning. What is this commandment? And how is it old? And how is it new? First of all, what is this old commandment that isn't new but really is new? Well, let's look at the context. After establishing this something old, something new commandment in verses 7 and 8, he then applies it in verses 9 to 11. Notice what he says, verse 9. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness. Verse 10, the one who loves his brother abides in the light. Verse 11, but the one who hates his brother is in the darkness. You see, the issue when he applies it is, do you love or do you hate? So we can conclude from that that the commandment that he's talking about here is the commandment to love. Now we don't really have to guess at that because John makes it even more clear later in this letter. Look at chapter 3 and verse 11. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Chapter 3, verse 23. And this is His commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He commanded us. Chapter 4, verse 21. And this commandment we have from Him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. 
And if that isn't clear enough, look at 2 John verse 5. And now I ask you, lady, not as writing to you a new commandment, but the one which you have had from the beginning, the old commandment, and what is it? That we love one another. So the old commandment that isn't new, but really is new, is that we love one another. Now, how is this commandment old? Well, John tells us in verse 7 of chapter 2 that it's been around since the beginning. So in one sense, there's nothing new about God commanding us to love one another. In fact, you can go all the way back to Deuteronomy 6.5, and here's what we read. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And even before that, in Leviticus 19.18, we read, You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Loving the Lord with all your heart and loving your neighbor as yourself is an old commandment. You see, it's not a New Testament innovation. Love is found from the beginning of the Bible to the end. Now, many people have the misconception that in Old Testament times, God was angry and wrathful. And then when he came to the New Testament, he had an attitude adjustment. That's not the case. In both the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see that God is a God of love. And so this commandment is old because it's been around since the beginning as the expression of the heart of the God who is love. Now, how is this commandment new? Well, let me suggest four ways. And if you're taking notes, they all begin with an E. First of all, it's new in its emphasis. In the Old Testament, the command that God love, God's people love one another was just one among many other commandments. But in the New Testament, this old commandment has been lifted up and it has been given a place of preeminence. In fact, in Matthew 22:38, Jesus calls this commandment to love the great and foremost commandment in the law. You see, it has a new emphasis. Jesus says it's first, it's foremost, it's the greatest. You say, well, how is it possible for one commandment to stand head and shoulders above all the rest? Well, Paul answers that for us in Romans chapter 13, verse 10. He says, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. This one law has a new emphasis in that it fulfills the entire law. You see, John is saying you don't have to try to keep a whole list of negative commands. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. You just have to keep one positive command, the command of love. Because when you love your neighbor, you won't murder him, you won't lie to him, you won't covet what is his. And so this one commandment fulfills the law. And we see that here in 1 John chapter 2. If you look at verse 3, he's talking there at the end of that verse about keeping his commandments, plural. Verse 4, does not keep his commandments, 
plural. And then when you come to verses 7 and 8, he's talking about a new commandment and an old commandment, singular. So he takes all these plural commandments that he's talking about and he narrows them down to one commandment, and this is the commandment of love. It has a new emphasis. In fact, notice verse 4. He says, The one who says, I have come to know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, or his commandments, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. Now what is John saying there? He's saying to us that the motive for our obedience to the commandments of God is to be love. Now I can think of three possible motives for obedience. We can obey because we have to, we can obey because we need to, or we can obey because we want to. A slave obeys because he has to. Sometimes your kids obey because they have to. If they don't, they'll be punished. An employee obeys because he needs to. You may not like your job, but you probably like your paycheck. And so you obey your boss because you need to. A Christian is to obey his Heavenly Father because he wants to. The motive is to be loved. Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so God wants us to obey out of love, verse 5, and then what is it that we are to obey? Well, he takes all the commandments and he narrows them down to one, and that one commandment is love. So the motive to obey the commandments of God is love, and the commandment that we are to obey is love. So when you look at it, you realize that love is both the motive and the action. Love is there from start to finish. And that's why I say this is a new commandment, because it has a new emphasis. And then secondly, it's new in its extent. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 5 real quickly. Matthew chapter 5. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus took this old commandment and he extended it beyond anything the Jewish rabbis ever imagined. Chapter 5 and verse 43. It says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, the rabbis applied this commandment in a very limited scope. They said it was just for your neighbor, and you got to pick and choose who your neighbor was. But Jesus takes this old commandment, and he gives it a new extent in verse 44. He says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You see, Jesus says that this commandment to love doesn't stop at the edge of the neighborhood. It is extended to your enemies. It is extended to those who persecute you. And then he goes on to say it's easy to love those who love you back. But I want you to love those 
who don't love you back. I want you to love those who hate you. And that's another reason why this commandment is new, because it has a new extent. And then thirdly, it's new in its example. 1 John chapter 2, notice again verse 8. On the other hand, I'm writing a new commandment to you, notice, which is true in Him. This commandment is new because it's been personified. It's true in Him. Remember what Jesus said in John 13, 34? He said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Now, why did Jesus say that was a new commandment? It was an old commandment. But Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Then he tells us why it was a new commandment. He says, even as I have loved you. I'm giving you a new commandment. It's the same old commandment. Love one another. But it's new because even as I have loved you. See, Jesus gave us a new example. He gave us a new comparison. He gave us a new standard. You see, the old commandment says, I'm to love you as I love myself. The new commandment says, I'm to love you as Jesus loves you. Now that raises the bar. How does Jesus love you? Well, probably the best answer is the answer the little boy gave when he was asked, how much does Jesus love you? And he said, this much. Because the expression of the love of Christ is the cross. And two things mark that love. One, it was sacrificial. A little later in 1 John 3.16, we read, We know love by this, that He laid down His life for us. His love was sacrificial. And secondly, His love was unconditional. It was not directed to those who deserve it. We see that on the cross in response to those who drove the nails in His hands and His feet, in response to those who were mocking Him, the Lord Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. His love was unconditional. And when did He love you? Well, Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. His love was unconditional. And that's why I say that this commandment is new because it has a new example. And then fourthly, it's new in its experience. Again, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 8 says, On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in Him and in you. Don't miss those three little words. It's not only true in Him, it's true in you. Love is not only modeled in Jesus, it's manifested in you. You see, this law is not just written on tablets of stone. It's not just to be written on the doorposts of your house. It's not just written in the Word of God. It is written in your hearts. This commandment is a new commandment because we have a new capacity to fulfill it. Paul put it this way in Romans 5.5. 5. He says, the love of God has been poured out within our hearts 
by the Holy Spirit who is in us. And that explains why love is not an appendix to the Christian life. It is the very essence of the Christian life. That's why John can later say in 1 John 3, 14, we know that we have passed out of death into life. How? Because we love the brethren. That explains why Jesus could say in John 13, 35, by this all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's why Paul could say in 1 Corinthians 13, the Christian life without love is nothing. And that explains what John tells us here beginning in verse 9. He says, the one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. Some people want to be an only child in the family of God. It doesn't work that way. And John says, no matter how loudly you claim to be in the light, if you hate your brother, you're in the darkness till now, which means you never got out of the darkness. And then in contrast to that, in verse 10, he says, the one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Contrary to popular belief, love is not blind. The truth is, hate is blind. The person who hates his brother is in the darkness, verse 9. He walks in the darkness, verse 11. And he does not know where he's going, verse 11, because he's blind. And in contrast to that, the person who loves his brother abides in the light, verse 10. He doesn't cause to stumble, that is himself or anybody else. And he can see clearly spiritual truth. Now that raises an important question. What does it mean to hate your brother? What is hate? Well, I looked it up in Webster's Dictionary and it says it's a feeling of extreme hostility or dislike. And it can really be expressed two ways. It can be expressed in an active hatred where I do or say things that hurt other people. Or it can be expressed through passive hatred. That's where we express ourselves by being indifferent or cold or uncaring or exclusive. But you know, the biblical definition of hate is simply that hate is the absence of love. And that's why John doesn't have any middle ground here. He doesn't say there's love, there's hate, and there's putting up with. He says there's just love and hate. So if you don't have love, if you have the absence of love, you have hate. So the real question is, what is love? What does it mean to love my brother or my sister? Well, you know, when the Bible talks about love, it's not talking about some shallow, sentimental feeling. It's always practical. And if you want some practical ideas 
on how you should be relating to your brother or sister in love, just look in the Bible for the passages that talk about how we should treat one another. There are over 20 of them in the New Testament alone. And you'll read things like this. We are to wash one another's feet. We are to give preference to one another in honor. We are not to be haughty in mind toward one another, but associate with the lowly. We're not to judge one another. We're to accept one another as Christ accepted us. We're to admonish one another, encourage one another, build up one another, bear one another's burdens, confess our sins to one another, and show hospitality to one another. In short, to love other Christians means to treat them the same way that God treats them. And John says that the one who does that demonstrates that he's in the light. Because wherever there is light, there will be love. In fact, love is the manifestation of the light of God. That's why we, we read what we do at the end of verse 8. Notice the end of verse 8. It says, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. See, it's not complete, but the darkness is passing away and this true light is already shining. Now, how is that happening? How is the darkness passing away? How is the true light already shining? Well, he told us earlier in verse 8, by love having been manifest through the Lord Jesus and now being manifest through you and me. See, there's coming a day when God's light will cover this earth like the water covers the sea. But for now, it has already begun to shine in Jesus. And it is shining in those who, as he says in verse 6, walk as he walked. See, that explains why Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then he said, you are the light of the world. And right after saying that in Matthew chapter 5, listen to what he said in verse 16. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. How do I let my light shine? You say, well, I'll just throw Bible verses at people. That doesn't work. You know why? Because they can't understand that light. They're blind. They can't see it. The only light they can see is the light of God that you interpret in the language of love. Jesus says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see what? Your good deeds your deeds of love, those expressions of love, they recognize that. And he says they will be drawn to that and they will glorify your Father who is in heaven. So in closing this morning, I guess the most important question I could ask you is, how's your love life? If you want to have great relationships, you need to be wearing something old and something new. 
You need the old commandment of love one another with a new emphasis, putting it first and foremost, with a new extent, reaching even to the unlovely and the unloving, and with a new example, like Jesus, giving your all for all, sacrificially and unconditionally. And then with a new experience through your life by the power of the Spirit of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this passage which focuses on that which has been from the beginning, the commandment to love, and yet that which is altogether new. And we thank you that it's new because Jesus came down and lived it out in front of us, but not only that, He went back and sent us the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us to produce that love in us. And Father, for those of us who confess to know you, who profess to know you, I pray that it might be evident in our life that your light shines out through the loving, caring way that we live our lives. And we pray as a result of that that not only will you be glorified, But those still in the darkness will respond to that love and glorify our Father in heaven. We pray in his worthy name. Amen.